Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. On this episode of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, we have Brett Stuckin-Snyder. He's a graduate from Missouri State University who has worked primarily within the acute care setting throughout his career as an SLP. His experience spans various hospital systems throughout Missouri and Texas, where his main clinical interests involve the management of complex and critically ill demographics, including CVAs, COVID-19, traumatic brain injury, head and neck cancer, palliative and hospice care, and pulmonary compromised patients, including tracheostomy, laryngectomy, and ventilator dependent. Brett is certified in the completion and interpretation of fees, as well as modified brain swallow studies, and has served as a student mentor for graduate clinicians at the University of Texas at Dallas. He was previously a member of the Baylor Scott and White Stroke Council and was the staff representative for the Electronic Health Records Council at his home site of Baylor Scott and White Medical Center in Irving, Texas, where he continues to work as a PRN staff member. Brett adopted a new role in healthcare early in 2022, now serving as a community liaison for a nationally renowned post-acute brain injury recovery center, Center for NeuroSkills. Within his new role, he focuses on providing rehabilitation access for survivors of acquired and traumatic brain injury by creating proactive and meaningful partnerships within the brain injury recovery on a national and global level. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good morning, Brett, or good afternoon. It's afternoon now. Yeah, it's about there. Yeah. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, happy, happy to chat with you. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. 
Um, yes, my, my name is Brett Stuckenschneider. I am a speech pathologist. I um, have practiced primarily in the acute care setting my entire career up until about a year ago. Um, those kind of areas involved different trauma hospitals uh, within Missouri and then kind of navigating towards different hospitals within Texas. Um, and yeah, so I, my main specialty is involved dysphagia, dysphagia management. That's my, that's my bread and butter, you know, we got anything within healthcare, that's kind of where my passion lies. And so ever since then, I've been uh, kind of pursuing different avenues that, you know, speech therapists can maybe take um, within this, within this role. And that's kind of why I'm here to talk to you and kind of uh, give some people some insight about what other options there are out yeah, there in the yeah. world. Yeah, I, I'm excited to dive into this conversation. But yeah, well, that is the reason I wanted Brett to come on here today, because um, I've actually heard about him from a few different people and just sort of how his role has evolved and what he's doing now. And I am always the one to say I love this field so, so much. I'm so passionate about this field. But there's, for lack of a better term, a million ways to skin a cat, right? Like we all are working in healthcare. We all are working towards dysphagia management in some aspect. And it doesn't just have to be, and I, I say just in quotes, patient care. There's many other ways to work in this field that might be something that aligns better with what you want to do. Or I know as a mom, when I had each of my kids, my you know sort of career evolved into the next version of what I needed to be because of personal time I needed to take off. So um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today and just sort of chat about what other options are out there in our field for people that still love this work and love this field, but may not be, you know, jamming with, with patient care. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the biggest thing I've been realizing within the last couple of months, actually the last year, since I've been transitioning to this role that I have now and talking to my old colleagues and talking to therapists in general, everybody's just kind of fascinated that there's other avenues that you can pursue versus just the patient care directive. Um, yeah. And so as I've learned this new role and kind of developed myself in here, I, I think it's important to let people know that there are, there are other places that you can use your skill set and, you know, more of a, even like for myself in more of a corporate setting, a more of a corporate way. And um, I think for people to just have that understanding and have that knowledge and confidence that they can pursue something like that is, it's going to be pretty good for our field in general going forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's sort of dive in. You want to dive in and tell people, I guess, what you're doing now, and then we'll work backwards from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think it's important too, for me to kind of talk about the place I work first and then my role within this company, because that kind of makes it more fluid and it makes it more understandable um, when I go that direction. So I work for a company called Center for Neuroskills and Center for Neuroskills is based in Texas. Um, we also have California locations as well. We were founded in California and now we're here in Texas and we have seven locations total, but we are a world leader in brain injury rehabilitation. So we're a specialized neuro recovery program that focuses on the whole spectrum of brain injury, um, whatever that is. And so we have, we were founded by a speech therapist himself and his wife, and we are kind of I always say we're kind of owned, operated by therapists. We run how therapists would want us to be run. And that's kind of a big thing for me is coming into a company like this and being able to advocate for patients to have access to something that is so, so niche in the market and so pivotal in what the recovery process should look like versus what it is looking like within most healthcare settings. 
So with that being said, what I do in my role, um, my official title is a community liaison. And what that entails is I am kind of that, that, that person, that man on the ground that is promoting our services to different healthcare platforms throughout the country. Um, and then also looking into different patients that would be appropriate and qualified for our level of intensity and our level of clinical services we offer and making sure we're not leaving anybody out and finding all those missing pieces throughout the whole healthcare process and finding patients that would benefit the most from us and what we do. So that involves me going to different facilities. Um, primarily right now, I work within the Dallas Metroplex area, but we do do you know, nationwide work and we looked at different hospitals. We talked to the referral coordinators, the case managers, managers there. And we we're able to kind of discuss and promote what we do and how we can help their patients and then be that man on the ground that's going to help get that patient from the hospital or rehab or physician office or neuro clinic, wherever they're at, surgery center, to get into our doors to start the uh, recovery process. So that that's that's kind of a, a gist of what it is we I do. And I'm sure as we talk more throughout this, so kind of more pieces of the puzzle will get put together. But that's just some basic understanding of kind of what it is that I've done and how I've what I've transitioned to from the my basic role as a uh, clinical speech pathologist. Yeah. Was was this something that you were seeking? I guess talk to me a little bit more, Brett, about how you landed this. Were they specifically looking for a speech pathologist or was this something that you were like, hey, I think I can do this? <laughs> so it's it's funny you ask because that's what the one question everybody asked. Yeah. Me. And um I no, I, I was not seeking it. Uh I honestly at the time I, I was loving my job. I was working I worked here in Texas in the Baylor Scott and White system at one of their satellite hospitals in Irving. And I loved my crew. I loved my supervisor. I loved my manager. I loved everything I did there. Now, this opportunity almost, it kind of fell in my lap from another speech therapist that I used to work with as a PRN basis at that same hospital. She had transitioned to this same job about a year prior and she was coming to the hospital to talk to us about kind of what CNS does, CNS being Center for Neuroskills. And from that, we had a discussion and we wanted to talk about, you know, what other options there were. And she was able to give me some insight about her perspective, where she was at in her career. And I know, and at that point, she had mentioned that there was a job opportunity. And so it was one of those things where she mentioned it, I kind of blew it off. I was like, yeah, that's not going to be for me. It's not something I want to do. I'm a clinician by heart. I'm going to be a clinician forever. <laughs> and that was kind of my mindset. And so it took me a couple of months to kind of wrap my head around the thought of even transitioning out of that clinical world. Cause I was so invested and I was so hard fast in what I was doing. And my whole career was spent to become an acute care therapist. And I was there and I was like, why would I give that up? especially when for myself, I, I graduated in 2018. So I'd only been a clinician for about four years. And was that too early for me to get out of that world? But as I started learning more about the company and started learning more about the team and going through the interview process and just kind of, I had to do for myself just to dabble, just to see what was out there, see if it was something for me. And there was just this overwhelming sense of, I need to try this. I need to try it out. I need to see what it is. I need to see if it works for me. Because for my career and my aspirations in my own career, this is another avenue that I hadn't really thought about, but could lead me to a lot of new directions that I would be happy to dive into. 
And so I think that was the biggest thing. And so once, yeah, once that started kind of coming about and I went through the interview process and then, yeah, I uh, eventually made the decision a couple months in that I was going to actually leave my clinical role and transition over. And that was, it was definitely very, very hard, um, hard on me. It was hard on my team. I was very, very close with them. I had to, uh, you know, take my supervisor out for a few drinks, let her know what was going to happen. <laughs> no, let her down easy, but you know, yeah. we're still amazing friends to this, to this day. And that's, that team is still very close to my heart and always will be. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so hindsight's 2020, right? So yeah. talk a little bit about, you know, sort of what you know now, are you happy you made the transition? Are you? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it, I will say, you know, the first couple of months, it was one of those, it was, it's different because this is a whole different world you're walking into. And you, yeah. I almost am going back to the world of being a CFY again. And I am starting from the bottom because I'm not used to this new topic, this new career choice and all these different term, terms and how the dynamic of this team works and how the dynamic of corporate world is in general. So for me, it was a lot of, I had to do my own research. I had to do my own you know, kind of studying again and learning again what this whole new world is about. And so, yeah, it was, it was a transition for me. Um, but after a couple months in, I don't regret it for a second. This yeah. is, I think the best decision I could have made for my career, um, working for a company like this that I am very, very passionate about. And I believe in wholeheartedly. I think that is an important part for me, for my own, my own self-worth and my, for my own well-being. I want to make sure if I'm in this role and if I'm doing something different, it has to be for a purpose and it has to be for something bigger than myself and learning throughout this, what this company does and what I, what I do for them. That, that is definitely without a doubt, um, the way the universe has aligned me to go and where I should have gone. Cool. And so, yeah, I wasn't expecting it, but, uh, you know, here it is the world's full of twists and turns. It is. It I is. I know where you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about sort of how your speech pathology background, how did that help in this role or uh, sort of two ways? I want to talk about how it helped and also other things that you had to learn that you had no idea about. So I will, so our team, let me, t- let me tell you this. Our team is made up of uh, about 50% clinicians. So we have three speech therapists on our, our staff um, in Dallas alone. Now within CNS as a broad spectrum, there are multiple different disciplines. There's PTs, there's OTs, um, we have nursing. So there's a lot of different people that are involved in these, these, these titles. We also have another half of ours are the more business side. So our team is made up of clinicians and also actual like communications majors or marketing majors, you know, and being, having that balance is so pivotal in our success because what we're doing is we're able to teach them the clinical side of things. And when we're talking to case managers or talking to patients, we're coming at it from more of a credible way of thinking because we've been there, we've done it. We've done, we know the diagnoses, we know the process, we know the recovery stages, um, and so being able to teach the other half of our team, those aspects of this, this job, and then them teach us the more important roles as well of, you know, how do we promote ourselves? How do we promote this company in a productive way? And how are we going to do the best to market CNS, how it's supposed to be marketed and make sure that it's something that is successful and it's something that we're all, you know, on the same path. So um, for me, using my speech pathology background, like I said, I think it's just one of those things that it's easier to market. It's easier to talk about when you have this sense of I've done it before. Mm-hmm. And this is, I know this, I know this world and people pick up on that pretty quickly. 
yeah. when you can talk and you you know the lingo and you know you know the dynamics of what's going on people people realize that pretty quickly yeah cool what are what are some areas that you felt pretty green in what what did you have to learn a lot about <laughs> Um, definitely, definitely the corporate setting. So different titles within the corporate world, you know, what that means, who people are. Yeah. Um, for me, a lot of it was kind of the going outside of my comfort zone and being, you know, having, having the, the strength to go and do those random walk-ins to clinics and cold calling essentially, and talk about what we do and, you know, having the confidence to do that, but also making sure when you're doing that, you're doing it in the right way. So I think kind of the, the sales and marketing aspect of this job, that was definitely a green area for me. And that was something I, I honestly, I came into this job and like, Oh, that's going to be easy. It's going to be so easy. I know this job. I know this world. I can talk about this for hours. And, you know, you know, my ego was a little bit higher than my ability at that point. And I was kind of reality check pretty quickly that, okay, I need to actually study up on this. So for me, I did, I did read a lot of books with, within that, this world. Um, I took some classes and just, I wanted to, anytime I do anything with in business or profession or in my personal life, if I talk about it, I want to make sure I'm a hundred percent understanding of the whole process. And I want to make sure I'm a hundred percent credible. Yeah. I don't want anybody questioning my, my motives or my intentions. And so for me, I have to make sure that I'm going to come at it from the most realistic standpoint and reliable standpoint. So yeah. that was that was definitely a big a big uh, uh, challenge at the first at first. But you know, I'm about a year in now, and it's definitely it's much easier at this point. Everything's kind of winding down and it's smoothing over, and it's becoming more more of the normal. Um, so that that is good, I think learning also the the different schedule is just different when you're when you're a speech therapist especially in the medical setting you're 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 so honed in on a productivity sort of mindset where your worth is almost gathered from productivity and so you're working all these hours and everything is you you don't have any stopping point within the day and to have a, a job like this where there is a little bit more flexibility for my schedule and there is a little bit more ability to kind of decide and be proactive what I want to do that day versus being a slave to a list of, of patients. That is, that is definitely um, something that I had to get used to as well. And it was a big shift in my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do love that you talked a little bit about, you know, getting more experience in sales and marketing, because I think it's sort of looked at as this, I don't know, weird, slimy feeling in healthcare, but it is such a huge part of healthcare that we don't really talk about much. And I know, um, you know, when I owned my mobile fees company, that was a big thing we had to do. We had to yeah. go and, call, and cold call skilled nursing facilities. It's something that private practice um, SLPs have to do with going in to get referrals and going to pediatrician's office. So it's not this big slimy sales and marketing concept. It's what you have to do to put yourself out there so that people understand that your services exist. And, yeah. you know, one of the things for me is, you know, my son has special needs and we finally got linked up with this this PT that's wonderful. She's a neuro PT. She's everything we'd been looking for, but it took us forever to find her. And I said to her, finally, I was like, where have you been? Like you have this beautiful clinic and I mean, you have a brilliant staff. You people are wonderful. Like, but why do you not market or advertise? And she's like, oh, that scares the living crap out of me. I don't even (laughs) know how to put together a website. And I was like, well, but you have to think about it from the patient perspective too. Like there's patients looking for you. And if you don't have any sort of presence, 
how are they going to find you? And so I think that's something that I, I wish that healthcare people and, and SLP specifically realized and understood is that putting yourself out there isn't slimy and sleazy. It's letting the people that are looking for you be able to find you. So. Yeah. And you, you kind of hit the nail on the head because that's exactly my mentality going into it. I was, I was pretty, you know, at the, at the stage I was, I was saying to myself, I can't be a salesman. I can't be a marketer. Like that's not me. Yeah. And especially, but I think what changed my perspective of the whole thing is like you said, when I came to a company that I wholeheartedly believed in the whole process that we were offering from a therapeutic standpoint and what we what were doing for these patients, it was more promotion. It was more just getting access to people in the, in the community and advocating for our, our services because it's such an incredible service that I, I want people to know about. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I don't even feel like I'm trying to sell something. I'm just talking about it and talking about it from a place of passion. And this is something that we should always be doing. And there are so many different areas, like you said, of, of businesses that don't get that advocacy, don't have that access. And, you know, it, it is something that I, it, for speech therapists, for sure, is something we are looking at trying to shift the lingo there. Yeah. And I will say, and I was actually talking to um, a friend of mine, I believe you know her, Brooke Bielman, and she uh, was in a similar role as I am. And she, a quote that she kind of mentioned that to me that I, I really loved was, you know, as speech therapists, many of us are never taught to sell something, but we're actually in reality selling every single day. We're selling what speech therapy, you know, to a lot of people, especially when you're in a hospital setting, you're selling our, the need for our services to ENTs, to pulmonologists, to different medical professionals. You're selling what we need to do. And even if you're in a hospital system, you're trying to develop a mobile fees program or a fees program for your hospital, or trying to change from like starch-based thickeners to gel-based thickeners, or, you know, whatever it is, develop a cancer program. You're, you're selling yourself, you're selling, you're, you're promoting. And that's the exact same premise as what we're doing here in this job as well. Yeah. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for sharing all that. Okay. So the next thing I, I did want to talk about, you know, my role as a liaison, but there are so many other roles that I've learned about within healthcare that speech therapists can be primed to do, and they can have access to do those things. And so, um, as I mentioned, when I was talking to, to Brooke Bielman with her, with her history and where she was at in her career, there's, you know, she gave me a lot of insight about other avenues that you can pursue as a speech therapist. And something that she was doing is, you know, being uh, a rep for specific head and neck cancer companies. Um, and she worked for a place called Tactile Therapy and, you know, having that access and being able to promote and teach different clinics around the country, uh, a head and neck cancer protocol. That's something you can, that's something you can do. And you're on that sales marketing sort of um, side of things and you're promoting different modalities as well within that, within that process. But even any company that has to do with healthcare, I think a lot of, there's a lot of room for speech therapists to move in there and they might not have a role that says we're looking for a clinician, but when you talk to these people and you give them your worth and you give them your background knowledge and what you can do for them, that changes their mindset a lot. And so, you know, looking at our clinical knowledge and looking at what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and how driven we are, you know, those kind of things mean a lot to a cor corporate world. So, and, you know, I know a lot of therapists as well that are reps for different companies, you know, with uh, a fees rep, a Tim's rep, um, any sort of 
device that is tailored to what we do for a living, you know, they're always looking for credible sources of information on the community and people that can promote that from a credible way. And so when you have that understanding of the device and you have the understanding of this world, that's something that within this different, this, these different settings is, is very valuable. Um, and I know for like, for us at Center for Neuroskills, you know, one of my jobs, yes, I am a liaison, but we have other various jobs that are clinical as well, or have clinical, uh, people within those roles. One of them being, we have what we call an, a, a clinical evaluator. And that is, they're not seeing patients on a day-to-day -day basis, but their role is for whenever we get patient referrals is to go and actually evaluate them. Mm -hmm. And they're evaluating from not even just a speech therapy standpoint, but from a holistic PTOT speech mm -hmm. standpoint and kind of looking at the person from head to toe of what they are, what their, where their progress is, where, where they are in their recovery, and if they're going to be qualified for our program. And within that, um, you know, all these roles, when you get into the setting, you have the opportunity to advance to different, different areas. And so going from, you know, a role like myself, and then maybe going up to a director position in the future, or maybe more to a corporate executive position later on in life. And having this experience to start you out is going to, you know, open a lot of doors to those, those different areas within, yeah. within the world. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I, like I said, you know, I love our field. I think there's, there's so much that can be done in healthcare and I'm just all about people finding what lights them up, you know, what, what they're passionate about. So I thank you for sharing all of these different roles. Cause I know that people are always like, I never even knew that existed or yeah. things like that. So thank you. And I always, and I always encourage people to just ask, I mean, that's one of the things whenever you're looking around and it's, I think there's so many resources out there, ASHA being one of them. When you're walking around at ASHA, there are so many different people you can talk with and people that are doing different creative things within this field. And for myself, walking around at ASHA this year and being able to talk to people like yourself and like talking to people who are doing these amazing things um, for the field, but also in different creative ways, that's, that's kind of opens your mind up of what possibilities there are out there and networking. And that's a big thing. It's a scary word is networking, but the networking is a huge part of business and being able to promote yourself and trying to just share what you do and meet other people and what they do. Because, you know, for us, we, we don't want to just be a liaison in this job. We want to be a resource, all, all encompassing resource. So if somebody can't come to our, our clinic, we want to be able to find them other options. And we want to be able to bridge that gap and aid and discharge placement. We don't want anybody to, we don't want to, I'm never going to just throw my hands up and say, Hey, sorry, we can't help you. You're on your own. Like that's not anything I'm going to do. And I, I never want to do that. So getting to know more people and just seeing where other people are coming from and different disciplines, it's just, it is very valuable and kind of promoting your own career and where you go in this field. Yeah. Awesome. I love this for you, Brett. Okay. So, and I, one thing, and another topic I wanted to bring up is, you know, when you're coming into this world of a more corporate setting, you know, it, it's very intimidating when you have a lot of these big names around you and you don't really know what that, what that entails. And you feel like you're very green within this area. And I think that's a big struggle for a lot of speech therapists that are looking at different options out there is, you know, how do I, how do I fit in to something like that when I, that's not my, that's not what I'm used to. That's not my role. Um, but I, I do think for me, especially when I was coming into this role, people, people love to hear about your background and your knowledge and being a speech therapy and having speech therapists and having that background within the hospital, people love learning about that. And when you talk about 
what we're doing. And you can kind of think about different topics, key topics in different ways than maybe somebody who's not clinical and bouncing those ideas off each other for how the business can be run differently. I think that is a key point of why we are so specialized and are able to do something within these different roles and do it strategically and do it productively. So I always just think, you know, coming into these spots and promoting yourself and promoting your, what you do and, you know, thinking things, think about things creatively. I think that's the biggest, the biggest point for all this is you have to be creative in your thinking and think about how things can be run differently and how you think that from a clinical standpoint, maybe things need to shift and making that shift and coming up with processes to do that and not being afraid to do that either. And it takes time for sure. But uh, I think everybody has that within them. And I think that is something that is definitely um, important. And I think every business should have those, those key players that are going to be able to kind of push the boundaries and show what, uh, what other options there are to the specific routes people are taking. Yeah. Yeah. I have two thoughts here. I think what's important to remember is that most people didn't come into these positions aspiring to be in these positions. A lot of people come from different backgrounds and and moved into these positions too. So like you said, it's important to know each other's backgrounds because somebody else you might be working with that you think has been in this role for 30 years, they might've been a a PT for 25 years and then transitioned into this role. So um, I think it's important to just learn what else is out there and, and, you know, everybody else's backgrounds. I think the other aspect too is, coming from a clinical background, you can help to do things better, you know, and I, and I think that's why a lot of us aspire to get into these roles because from the outside, we think, why are they doing it this way? They should be doing it this way. And now is actually your chance to raise your voice and say why you think things could be done differently. And, and I think that's really what's so profound about having such a strong clinical background is to be able to talk the talk, but then also be able to say how things could be done better. Yeah. And I think for me, especially having a platform to do that is, is pivotal. And, you know, when I was working in the clinical setting, you know, there's, there's so much red tape around what we do. And I think that's, it's hard. You, you, we are advocacy driven by nature. Most speech pathologists are, and you try to advocate for your patients as much as possible, but then you are restricted by different confines of, you know, finances and things within your, maybe your healthcare setting that you just can't do those. And so coming to this different world and having this other platform to look at rehab in a different way and look at rehab in more creative ways and ways that, you know, as a therapist, I would want it to be done. I think for me, that is, that is, that is key and my own professional development, but also development of this company and any other company like us out in the world. And so I do think there's, there's a niche market for speech pathologists within this corporate setting. And um, I think it, we're all just kind of tapping the surface of it right now, but I'm excited to see where it comes, where it goes in the next couple of years, as we develop as a profession more and more. And as we kind of realize what, what options we have out there, I think there's so many possibilities that are open to us to look into in the future. And that's something that, you know, I've had so many people come up to me and ask about, because I think people are experiencing that that's that burnout right now. And I know, um, I know, especially you've talked, you've had some podcast episodes about this. I listened to those and, you know, hit on some key topics about how, what is happening in the field of healthcare and how burnout is such a prevalent thing. People are looking for other avenues yeah. and just consider, or just to even consider mm-hmm. other avenues, which 
seems uh, for me is a scary, scary thought. But um, once you jump that, once you jump that road, you, I don't think you'll ever regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Yeah. And so, and I, and I did want to kind of address, you know, the, the burnout within our profession. And I know in general, healthcare is having a global crisis, not crisis um, issue right now with, with burnout within all of its, all of its providers. And, you know, for me, I was, I, I loved what I did and I loved working in the ICU. I love doing fees. I love doing modifieds. Um, I love doing everything that we do within our profession, but there was, there was a point when I, I didn't even realize I was burnt out until I left. And I was getting to that point, especially it was after COVID and our caseload was just jumping way above what it used to be. And I know having to adapt to that and having, for me, I was so dedicated to what I was doing and my patients and our team was so dedicated that we were taking the hours and we were doing it, you know, it was okay. Um, I thought that's just how it's supposed to be done. And so having, you know, two years of almost go by of that, where, you know, you're working these insane hours and you're having these different um, challenges per day within your personal life that are, that's being affected by your career. And you have to kind of realize, okay, maybe this, this isn't exactly where I need to be. But uh, so that's, that was another thing when I came into this, this, this role is I, I realized that pretty quickly is that, you know, the, the burnout in healthcare is real. And whenever I came to this um, and had that, this work-life balance that I have currently, you know, it's something I can never take for granted again. And I'm very, I'm very privileged to have that. And uh, that's why I think it's advocating for that. There's other, there is possibilities for other people that if they are experiencing the same thing, there are other avenues you can take Yeah. to, to work in that. Yeah. Th- thank you for that breath. That was very vulnerable. And thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people feel that way. And I think a lot of people don't know what else is out there or what, how to really change it. So, so yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And it has nothing to, I mean, nothing at all to do with the hospital I was working at or the management, like everybody was so supportive and so great. It was just, you know, just healthcare in general and having to take a step back. And for me, taking a step back for a few months without really doing clinical work. And then after I kind of breathed a little bit, climbing back in and like right now, I still, I have my clinical itch. I, I need to fit, I need to yeah. scratch. And so I, I still PR in on the weekends um, at the hospital and I can do so, you know, two or three weekends a month and not, not, not care. It, it's fun yeah. at that yeah. point, you know, you're coming in and you're getting a joy to see these patients again. And um, you're keeping your skills sharp. And that was, that was one thing I was very scared about was, yeah. you know, I worked so hard to develop these skills and I don't want to lose those, you know, yeah. within a year because I'm not, I'm not practicing them. So being able to do that and be flexible and have that PRN on the side. And that's something anybody could always do, you know, mm-hmm. when you're even, especially if you have more work-life balance during the week and then you want a PRN on the weekends, that's not something that uh, as a clinician, I would even consider <laughs> if I was yeah. working all week and somebody asked me to work the weekends, I was there was no way I wanted to do that. Yeah. But now coming in and being able to have the opportunity and do it and it's fun and it's exciting. And I get back in there and get my hands dirty. Like that's something I, I love this. I love the balance that I have right now. It's great. Good. Good. I love hearing that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, everything has its ups and downs, but you just kind of had to push through it. And I had a, I had an occupational therapist that I was working with at the time when I was talking about transitioning over, she said to me, you know, you're going to be scared when you go in this new role, you know, you're going to have a lot of questions and a lot of self doubt, but give yourself six months 
do not question yourself until six months is through. And once you're six months in, then you can reevaluate. And I'm so glad she said that because within like the first three months, you know, I had did question it. Was this the right decision I made? Was this, you know, what was I doing? And after that, like I said, after the first few months, I, I was so confident in my decision at that point. And I was so invested in what I wanted to do. But I will say, you know, there, when you're transitioning to this job, there are so many areas you need to look at, just like any kind of speech therapy role. When you're looking at different healthcare settings, there are a lot of red flags that you had to look out for when you're applying to these types of jobs. And this is not, not like any other. Um, and this is not like, it doesn't differ in that way. You have yeah. to be understanding of what the role you're going to be coming into, what that, what those details are and how, um, and making sure that they're, the demands of that role is something that you are qualified to do and that you're not going to be stepping into a world where you're setting yourself up for failure either. And so looking out for different companies that do have red flags and, you know, making sure when you are looking into these different, these different types of positions that, you know, asking people within that job, that job field, you know, what's, what's good, what's bad, what, how, how do I negotiate this? All those things I didn't really know coming into here. Um, I got very blessed with where I landed and the company I work for. And I feel, I feel so blessed every day to be, to be doing this, but I know some others who have done the same transition and didn't have the same story, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's always, you know, I don't want to make it sound like this is always going to be the perfect option for everybody, but if you find the right place, if you find the right team, I think this is a, is a valid option for a lot of people to pursue um, if they, if they have the desire. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Thank you so much. Yeah. So helpful and so valuable. Yeah. I think we covered everything. Is there anything, anything else you want to cover? No, I, I just want to let people know if you, if people have questions, you can always feel free to reach out to me, ask me questions. My, my LinkedIn is on the, is, will be on the show notes and you can feel free to message me whenever you need. Um, I'm happy to talk about, you know, what this role involves. And if you have other roles that you're looking into and you want to make sure that it's, it's a good fit for you, making sure that it is something that, uh, you know, we can definitely talk about. And I don't feel, don't feel shy to reach out and ask those questions because you should, you need to, you need to know those answers. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Brett. I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.